0: This is Dallin Wortham with the Charter School Connection podcast. In today's episode, I meet with Heidi Gaska from Excel Academy. She was such a joy to have on the podcast. And um, to be 100% honest, she isn't the point of contact for me at Charter Connect in regards to the marketing. Um, we work with another member of her team. So this was kind of the first time I really got to meet her. And I'm so glad that I did have the chance because she is just so sincere, so humble, so open with ideas and insights that um, this podcast, this episode is going to be of great value to anyone that is looking to improve their charter school. So please enjoy. She's, you know, just so gracious with her time and insights. So, man, I'm excited for you to take a listen. Feel free to share, comment, tell us what uh, you think, and. Um, you know, we know that you're going to love it because she's awesome and Excel Academy is great. So please check them out. Without further ado, let's get into this episode with Heidi Gasco from Excel Academy. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Charter School Connection Podcast. I have a very special guest with me here today. We got Heidi Gasco from Excel Academy. Welcome.
1: Hi, Dallin. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about Excel and get to know you as well. Yeah.
0: I mean, the time of any administrator for any school, especially a charter school, is precious. So the fact that you took a little sliver out of your day to speak with us and share some insights with our listeners is, um, is very valuable, and I really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank well. You. Let's go ahead and just get started then. Um, Tell us a little bit about you, how you got into the world of education and more specifically charter schools.
1: Absolutely. So I um, went to UC San Diego down in San Diego, beautiful San Diego, California, and I was actually pursuing a career in broadcast journalism. And then had a change of heart when I came home and spent some time in the classroom, a kindergarten classroom of a, of a close family friend. And once that occurred, I really felt that my heart um, immediately was taken to education and really students mainly um, connecting with them, making a difference, um, seeing the impact that teachers and educators have and the amount of time spent um with students in a day and just um, what a difference they could make in just showing them sometimes love and care and high expectations. And so um, after that, I pursued a credential at UC Irvine um, and then went on to get my master's degree down the street at Concordia University in curriculum and instruction. And again, maintain that continued passion for being a um, in education and then also um, At some point during my master's, I really started to have a passion for what it would be like to lead educators Um, and more so train them. Um, I don't know if the leadership part at that point um, in my life was um, necessarily the focus as much as how could I make a difference to come alongside teachers and work with them based on experiences I had had and how I could um, just kind of shape their career.
0: Wow. That whenever I speak with an educator, my wife is an educator. My sister-in-law is an educator. So whenever I get to speak to someone in the education world, I'm really interested by their decision to study education and to go into that field because no one does it to be a millionaire and live, you know, right. in the by the beach. They do it out of just a passion to help and love and serve. And so I, I think that's Fantastic. Was that change of heart that you had pretty obvious or um, was it a little more subtle? What was that like?
1: For me, it was very obvious in terms of just the environment. Um, The environment in broadcast journalism and television was definitely, um, you know, once I immediately got ingrained in that and did some internships, I felt very out of place. Um, I wasn't connecting with the people, their goals, their. Their focus in life was, I could immediately tell, was not mine. Um, And so when I went to the classroom and I was like, this is definitely where I'm supposed to be um, in terms of the people that I was surrounding myself with on a daily basis, from the teachers to the custodians to the office staff, it was just an immediate connection of Mm -hmm. being fulfilled. And I was grateful that early, early on at a young age, I knew that I wanted to invest my time into something that I would, at the end of the day, enjoy doing, you know, and want to go to work. And I'll talk about it later, but, you know, that's the gift to me that Excel is every day.
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm excited to jump into that. How How did you get into the world of charter schools and more specifically Excel Academy from, you know going to school to become uh, an educator and eventually a leader. How did that lead to where you are today?
1: Well, I um, started out in the traditional model in Irvine Unified and had great opportunities and experiences there um, and also went to Capistrano Unified um, and worked in the traditional um, model there in the elementary schools. And um, then I took a, a short break and really was kind of um, fascinated as I began to have children of my own on the options and, you know, what it would be like to not um, have to send your students just to the neighborhood school. And it kind of really opened my eyes to, um, I don't want to say robotic, but I was brought up that that's just what you did. You know, you went down the street to the neighborhood school. It yeah. was never at least a lot of my generation. There wasn't, choice wasn't really discussed. Mm -hmm. Um, in education. So when I started to have children of my own and realized there was so much choice out there for alternative models of education and so many exciting opportunities to learn in different ways. Um, And obviously being in the classroom for so many years prior to having my own children, I definitely recognized all the unique learning styles of students. Um, And that was what really Um, fascinated me to take opportunities to go into the charter world and be able to support families and kind of really equally inspire me as an educator when I watched these families take opportunities for their students um, to travel and really to kind of that's where the theme of a lot of what we do the world is our classroom at Excel Academy like Mm -hmm. you can do anything and learn anywhere um, and that's kind of what inspired me.
0: That's fantastic yeah I remember feeling kind of the same sense of you know wonder once I kind of figured out what a charter school was it was for the first time I was like yeah like you just go to public school and maybe every once in a while you like meet someone that goes to a private school and wears a uniform but maybe it's you know kind of very exclusive but once I ran across charter schools I was just blown away I didn't even know it was a thing and it it got me hooked that's why I do what I do because I just fell in love with it as well so I can completely relate and tell me a little bit more about Excel Academy how long have you guys been or or you all been around when where why how I'd love to hear that origin story
1: yeah Excel Academy was You know, very at a very exciting start, Um, I was actually approached by um, a mom in homeschooling and independent study um, from a school that I'd previously worked um, at, at a different charter school. And she really had a vision. She had a strong vision to um, offer families this alternative model of education. And it was like just a a really amazing pairing that she was the parent with the vision. And then I was the educator with the knowledge of standards and expectations and really where students needed to get at the end of the year. So with her vision and my education background, we came together um, uh, just a little bit about 10 years ago. So we're entering our 10 year anniversary as a, as a as a charter, we've been a program under different schools, but um, we really started the idea of Excel about 10 years ago in 2012. Um, And together we just slowly started to attract families that would want this same um, idea of education. And we started, I was about one of five teachers Mm -hmm. and 90 students. And we were like, oh my goodness, here we go. And we were so excited to share what we could offer with other families that we have grown over the years, and now we're about um, 16, 1,700 students.
0: Wow! Um,
1: yeah. So at various times we've been even close to nineteen hundred um, students, and it's just been um, it's been a wonderful journey. It's been it's you know we've had our our, our trials of course, but. Um, it's been worth every, uh, you know, all the blood, sweat, and tears because what we've created, I I do feel is something so special as, as a personalized public charter school. Um, we're able to offer so much to families um, and maintain yeah. that high accountability. So
0: that's fantastic. And for those that aren't familiar with Excel Academy, maybe they live across the country from you. Where are you located and what does your curriculum look like? What does your program look like? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, we're located, our office, our administrative offices are in Irvine, California. So we're right um, at the 405 and the five juncture. If anyone's familiar with the Irvine spectrum area um, in Irvine, it's, it's a beautiful office. We are only uh, We only have administrative offices. We do not have any buildings. We are a non-classroom based charter school. So we um, basically, again, the world is our classroom. We work with a number of fabulous um, community providers in all the counties we service. We are chartered in San Diego County through Warner um, Unified School District, and we're chartered in San Bernardino County through Helendale School District. And I have an incredible relationship with those authorizers and Um, that collaboration and team um, partnership that I have with them allows us to service any students that live in the counties that touch San Diego or San Bernardino. So we pretty much um, are able to service all students um, in Southern California, all the way from the tip of Los Angeles and Kern County all the way down to Imperial County, right by the border in San Diego. And yeah, so we... um, it's fascinating. And, and we work with vendors all across all those counties.
0: So if someone maybe doesn't have a relationship or maybe their relationship isn't stellar with, you know, their authorizer or or those that will help them be able to get their charter, what advice do you have to someone to help build that relationship?
1: Um, You know, I've been really fortunate with both of our authorizing districts. I think mainly it's just communication um, and investment of time. You know, I'm very um, committed to working alongside them. Um, They're equally as busy every day. And so understanding what they do and what I do and how we can, you know, work together. I think um, it's also, you know, just being available to communicate with their board Um, it's really important that we're very transparent with all of our offerings and everything we do. So um, it's just really um, strong communication. We have monthly check-ins. We have, um, you know, uh, compliance folders that we keep back and forth um, all in in Google. So it's very easy to communicate. So we're both aware um, on both um, sides, both authorizing districts, if anything is needed. um, They have charter liaisons. And so there's just a lot of communication um, that we do, both um, l- electronically through shared folders with all of our compliance pieces, as well as um, you know just communication time, face to face time. We visit them. We do some PDs out there with um, our staff out, out in Warner, just so they can you know definitely understand um, you know our relationship with the with the school districts.
0: I think that's a great answer to the question because. We at Charter Connect, obviously, do marketing for charter schools, and the goal behind marketing is to help them, you know, get more enrollments to their school. That's obvious, but one thing that we've noticed is even one of our schools that might be underperforming, they have a great relationship with us, and they stay with us as because we communicate really well, and we can have another school that might be performing really, really well, that um, may, they'll discontinue their services maybe because we're not communicating well with them. And it isn't so, I mean, the amount of enrollments is important, but really it's communication. And being able to communicate is is what we've noticed is very key. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And I think communication, no matter what the industry is, is, mm-hmm. is vital. So perfect. and. Which leads me to the, our next question. The culture, the vision of a school is very important. And you said that you were once 90 students, now you're you know, hundreds of students. As you've grown and you've hired more people, more administrative staff, you have more students, how do you maintain your culture and vision as you grow? Especially with like hiring on new, new staff,
1: yeah, those are great questions, and you know, it's it's definitely a challenge. the The larger we get, you know, my mm-hmm. vision for Excel has always been that we would almost see ourselves um, in these various regions as almost like mini schools. Um, I think it's critical that in person connection. I think it's um, you know really important. We do. Um, staff meetings um, at at least twice, sometimes three times a year in person um, to where we can all connect and make sure that we all do understand the vision. We all maintain that focus of really why we're here. Um, I mean, I'm assuming in any job, I've only been in education, but um, it's important to constantly remind yourself of, of why you wake up every morning and do what you do. And for me and for the vision of Excel, it's always, always been the students. So when we look at these kids, how are they achieving? Are they a fit for our model? Um, You know, my biggest focus is making sure that they're thriving in our school. And if they're not, you know, I really work hard. We have an incredible team of leadership from counselors to intervention. to all sorts of support mechanisms in place to make sure that students are in the right place. Um, So I think um, when you focus on the mission and vision that we really want to look at the whole student, we want to partner with parents, um, come alongside them in their educational journey. I think sometimes educators can come across, you know, potentially to some parents as intimidating. Mm -hmm. We truly are partners, I look at our relationship and our vision is a, is a triangle, you know, with the parent, student, and the teacher.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's actually one of our next questions is how do you build a, a relationship with parents? And I feel like that's even more difficult when you don't have a campus to, to hold class. So how do you do that? What tips do you have to other charter school leaders?
1: I think first and foremost, it comes down to trust and patience, I think, um, and and offering grace. You know, being a homeschool um, independent study educator in a non-classroom-based model, it is an admirable job. And to have these parents commit to being the primary educator at home and to knowing how important education is to them I think that that relationship to respect their priorities and make sure you understand their priorities, make sure things are clearly communicated. So you're aligned to their priorities and expectations for the school, as well as their personal priorities and expectations for their child. So Mm -hmm. I think when you really work and it takes time, you know, we always tell our teachers those first couple LPs, like you need to offer grace, you need to listen, you need to understand everybody comes with their own story. So I think that just really investing in that relational piece um, and spending time getting to know them, like I said, outside, I look at this for staff and for families and students is really getting to know who they are. Um, I think it's well worth the investment It pays dividends in the success academically.
0: That's fantastic. And what do you guys do at Excel Academy to help motivate students in today's modern world, especially when you know the parent is going to be the lead educator in in your style of learning? And how do you? Where do you guys step in, and how do you guys step in to help make sure that students are motivated? Um, you know, beyond just the curriculum that you offer,
1: yeah, that's that's great. We're fortunate um in, and this is one really, you know amazing gift of being in a charter school, is that the funding that's brought down is not necessarily as 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 red taped to as, as it is in some of the brick and mortar. So mm-hmm. because we don't have a building and because we don't have um, the traditional model, we are really allowed to motivate students in multiple ways through finding their passion. So it's just not about a set curriculum. You know, it's about how are you as a learner? Um, Is this curriculum going to be more beneficial for you because, you know, there's more online work or less online work. Um, And then that balance between really finding what do you enjoy in life? You know, where Mm -hmm. is your passion and how can we, motivate you to balance your life academically and teach some of those executive functioning skills of, of, of living and being successful in your personal life as well. And pursuing passions that you feel will get, make you motivated to get up every day and what it takes to do those things.
0: I think that's great. We talked about that in an earlier episode with Rainier Valley leadership about, you know, the difference between laziness or just being unmotivated and it's easier to say like, okay, yeah, let's find your passion and let's get you motivated. It's another thing to actually help them find that passion or motivation. Do you have any tips to any charter school leaders that are kind of wondering, how do I help a student find their passion? What, what tools or techniques do you use at Excel Academy to, to find that passion or motivation? And if you don't have an answer, that's okay. But do you have any tips or tricks?
1: Yeah, you know, I think of course we've all we we've tried the routes of surveys and questionnaires, and but I really go back to we we require in person meetings, um, and sometimes I get some pushback for that because especially when the mm-hmm. world went virtual with COVID, um, we're we're obviously flexible with the number of virtual meetings, but I think it really goes back to establishing that trust, and I think when you really connect with someone. Um, You really, uh, and you share your life stories as well. And you spend that time with them. I think naturally that elicits intrinsic motivation in people that you want Mm -hmm. to, you want to please um, them, you want to um, meet their expectations. And so I think it's more of, of a trust factor with the students and them wanting to know that you care enough you're not just a check the box teacher here's a grade and yeah. you can go
0: no I think that's great uh, I think that's uh, an answer that I wasn't expecting but it's the answer that I needed is just in person makes a really big difference it's once someone isn't a number and they actually have a name and a face and you are you know they have a name and face to the the person that they're meeting one-on-one with, I think that makes a really big difference. So thanks for that answer.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, hard because I think even with the families, it's like I wish sometimes, and I'm grateful for this platform to share that it's not that I'm trying to make, I get, that life is so difficult and so busy. So it seems like one more step to sometimes yeah. meet in person, but I also feel that it's important. We don't lose sight of that, eye contact and all those skills that when you, we all need, when you meet Mm -hmm. a a boss or a mentor or a teacher or someone that you respect greatly, you want to work hard. Um, And there is something to say about meeting someone um, in person and looking them in the eye face to face. I
0: love it. Thank you. I love it so much. So if you don't have an answer to this next question, that's okay too. But Running a charter school isn't easy, and there's a lot of ups and downs, and the downs aren't always fun, and it's not always easy to see the light at the end of the tunnel sometimes. What have you done to help Excel Academy get through kind of those rough, unsure times?
1: You know, I I would have to credit the people that uh, I've surrounded myself with on my team, Um, because it is absolutely true, um, that there has been some difficult times. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think the only way I've gotten through the difficult times was a little bit like a marriage, like when one (laughs) of us was up, the other was down and vice versa, because I have an incredibly dedicated and loyal leadership team that have, you know, just gone to links that could never be described and no one probably, and that's, you know, part of being in an administration is no one will probably ever know the links they go to and the, and the steps they take. And I think it's really just, it truly is um, who I'm surrounded with and that we just have taken turns on. It could be even even in a in morning and an afternoon. One is one person is like, we're going to get through this we're going to focus, we're going to reconvene where another person just, you know, feels like this is just a lot. And I don't know if, if we can keep, you know, put persevering. And, and so it's really just, I think it's just been a gift that um, I've just surrounded myself with people with incredible grit.
0: I love it. And do you have any, would you like to go into any details into some of the, your team members and how you found them and how they support you? What, What, maybe any examples of what you do as a team to help support each other that others could maybe piggyback off of?
1: Yeah, I think that the most success I've seen in working with, you know, the executive leadership team is just the desire for the school as a whole to succeed. And I think that I've been fortunate to have, you know, found these people, some of them I worked with in the traditional model, Others, mm-hmm. I have found, you know, just through an interview process, others were through a referral. But I think um, I, I think that the bottom line comes to be that they there's no way we I, I really don't believe I, I, Excel would be in the place we are today and have the successes we've had. Had we been focused on, you know, any kind of uh, personal, you know, agenda, to succeed mm-hmm. or be a leader, I think all those people would have left by now. This is definitely a unique um, family. I I yeah. feel we're a family, mm-hmm. and um, and we all we all make sacrifices, and that's yeah. why we're successful.
0: And I think to be able to get to the level of being able to say a family, you have to really have some some good culture and systems in place. What advice would you give to a charter school that's trying to increase teacher and staff retention, trying to build that culture of of a family environment where they can really kind of plant their roots a little bit?
1: You know, I don't. It's so funny because, you know, so much goes into studies of compensation and retention Um, And, you know, it's, as we know, difficult, um, to live these days in, you know, California, uh, Mm -hmm. especially where we're located. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult for, um, people to balance their personal and professional life. Um, and most people do have to have, um, you know, a professional life in order to, you know, just kind of make ends meet. It's so, I think for me, um the connection comes with investing. Again, I go back to like, who are you as a person? You know, Uh I, I try to, I try like on everyone's birthdays to say like, happy birthday, like go have fun, (laughs) you know, go, I hope you're doing a nice dinner with your family. Um, I'm thinking of you today, like, you know, and, and I can't, I, I know I fall short so often because there's so many people, um, now and sometimes that makes me sad like I wish I could go back to a little (laughs) bit smaller so I can connect more but I think it's just people it's people knowing that that we are in it for the long haul and then believing in what we offer
0: I think that's great Uh, being able to understand the mission and vision and then just the little things I think Mm -hmm. sometimes maybe my question and my questions for the podcast are kind of directed towards like give me that silver bullet give me that trick, that secret sauce. And every single time, you know, charter school leaders that have been on the podcast just always say, it's the small things. It's the saying, mm-hmm. and the happy birthday. It's, you know, reaching out and those little things go a long way over time. So thanks for that. Um, well, is there anything that um, you would like to maybe see happen within your local, state or federal government that you would maybe like to Mention something that has kind of been on your mind that would make a big difference in the charter school world.
1: You know, I think that you know some of the most frustrating part of being in the charter world, or you know, more specifically, even in non-classroom based, is is the acknowledgement um, of our commitment to academics on the education side of things. Because I think um, it can get blurred with the fact that we are an independent study model. Um, and because some of ed code and the way independent study, um, ed code was written, some of it was not written to fit what we do today. Yeah. So I think there's just a little bit of, of a blur. And I, I think it would just, we spend, um, I'm a part of, um, a plus plus, which is an incredible, um, personalized learning network for, um, personalized public charter schools. And we spend a lot of time, um, effort and money working with just um having people understand what we do um and what we represent. And so I think it would just be that disconnect legislation. legislation. Um, and I would love more than anything for um this this the system to see us as partners um instead of competitors. Um, and for us to be able to look at students as what is the best fit because I look at it like if they're not thriving in my model, I want them. I want them to go back,
0: um, you know,
1: and (laughs) so I, I, I feel like I'm the one, like, I'll say like, we have to, this child has to be back in a full day seat, like, you know, and I'm the first to say that. So for me, it's, it's not about the competition. It's not about the numbers. I could be happy as, as a smaller school or a, a, a larger school, a size, half my size, a size, double my size. I just want students to be successful. I want this to be a place where they graduate and they're competent in college career, military service, wherever they find themselves. But um, it's not about it's not about the competition. So if I could cut that, um, I would love that because I really want to put it back to where where is the best fit for the student.
0: That's great because that's kind of why we started the charter school connection in the first place is because, real educators don't care i mean it's important like profits and funding are the gas that move the car the vehicle to the goal and we all understand that we're not saying that's not the case but once it kind of gets into hey Dallin, um these charter schools are doing better than me how how can we take their place and how can we beat them and and i always like to go back to the idea of like you don't have any competition. Like if you are a charter school and you exist, you should be so unique. So you should understand who you are to the point that you don't have competition. Like you're you and no one else is you. And the reason we kind of believe in charter schools is the opportunity to have more options. And once we Get kind of you know those blinders on, saying like no, like we're the only option, and everyone needs to come to our school. That's kind of where we kind of lose what makes us unique because we try to serve everybody and be the you know the one school fix all. So I love that the fact that you're so sincere about you know there's no competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that a lot. Thanks for bringing that up. Um. My next question is, what projects or goals are you currently focused on as a school? Like any fun events or um, goals, you know, facilities, uh, I don't know, curriculum, technology, anything that you kind of have on your your horizon?
1: Uh, well, this year we did a big undertaking of splitting the schools, elementary and secondary. So um, up until this year, we had Students um, were served by one teacher, K, whether they were TK through 12th grade. Um, And so we split the schools into two paths to have an elementary school and a secondary school. So that was a a big undertaking um, that we were very excited about. Um, I know the change for the families, that was the only thing kind of holding us back as we knew that um, they would be resistant to the change in regards to having two teachers Um, to meet with but um, again we really went back to like what where's the area of focus how can we train our teachers better to support students and families better and it really kind of came down to the training was unique and specific at the elementary and the secondary level and it's different and the mindset and the mentality for training our teachers the curriculum options chosen the extracurricular options chosen Um, was really um, a huge uh, undertaking for us. And it's still a work in progress. It's our first year splitting them. Um, But we really feel that it was in the best interest of of student success to have those teachers really honed in um, because teachers focusing on the primary age group um, have different priorities and different expectations and a different mindset than the teachers focusing on students that before we know it are in the real world. Um, you know, they're ready to go and we have to do our best to prepare them. Um, so that was a big um, undertaking that we're really focusing on. And then something that I'm incredibly passionate about that um, I feel is is always been a driving force for my leadership is um, focusing on students connecting. Um, you know, sometimes when they come to this independent study model, they can feel alone, they can feel disconnected from peers. And um, we we saw and we will continue to see the damage that 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 sometimes that can cause with with the pandemic um, and people being isolated. And so for me, I have huge initiatives to create um, small pockets of communities. Um, and what you know, it's 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 a slow process. We we work with social media, and that's why I'm so grateful for opportunities to connect with people like you and Charter Connect, so we can really work. I want them to have something to look forward to if it's a bowling night every, you know, third Thursday, and they can go back and see the same people and say, hey, it's so nice to see you, you know, how how yeah. was your day and, and, you know, just really get back to those relationships. Um, that's a huge focus for me.
0: I think that's great because typically these schools that we work with that are virtual or um, self-taught learning models or hybrid models or distance learning, those are typically the schools that are actually the ones that are the best at creating connection, and I, I find that kind of ironic because there's, you know, in-person schools, it's almost like connection is just taken for granted, like it, connection is just going to form by itself,
1: mm-hmm. we don't have to do anything, we
0: don't have to water it or nourish it, and the other models that are kind of like yours or any other sort of virtual at-home model, you really have to focus and work at it. It's not something that will just organically come. Point. Yeah. And yeah. so I've always been very impressed and blown away by all the you know events and extracurricular activities and clubs and hangout sessions and committees for parents that that are created. So I think that's great. And yeah,
1: that's a great point in terms of like it. You you assume it just happens, and it really doesn't happen in the brick and mortar. The, the kids you assume because they offer it, but you're right, like making that extra effort, they probably don't do in the brick and mortar because they're like, well, they would want to do it. And that's not really always the case, you know? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, fantastic. Um, Heidi, if you had a, a magic wand, that could do anything, just wave it.
1: I saw this question, yeah.
0: And something were to happen, what would, what would you use it for? And you only get one one wave of the magic wand. What, what would you <laughs> like to fix or um, pay off or do differently or, I don't know. You can take it any way that you'd like.
1: I know, this was like so open-ended. I was like, oh, wow. Um, You know, I think for me, especially coming out of the pandemic, I want to see kids feel safe. I want to see my my goal would be that we figure out ways for people. We the priorities of students, you know, I think sometimes even even, you know, all the way to the expectations of the universities and college acceptances um, and the pressure on students to be a certain way and um, just the anxiety that's been created um, from the the competitive world that that has been created that we can't control um, through social media and some of the things that it is the current reality of our world. But I think for me, I just, I want to make kids, students, young adults um, and make them feel that that they're going to make a difference and that, that they matter and that there's nothing they can't get through. Um, I think some of these kids have lost so much of, of their grit and motivation has just been squashed with by anxiety and fear. And if I could change one thing, it would be to take that that anxiety and fear away, and know that life is going to throw a ton at you, but um, just to the perseverance and to not be afraid, and that you know there's 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 more good um, in this world than, than than bad is what I'd like to get them that's, to say. That's
0: that's a very eloquent and beautiful answer. Thank you. Um, next kind of lightning round question would be. If you could have a billboard that all of your students and parents would drive by and see, is there anything that you'd like to put on that billboard?
1: Um I I was th- thinking just d- dedicated to you. You know, I, I feel passionate that that I've been placed in in this incredible role um you know, to really be to be a servant leader. I I I that's what I that's what I do. Um, that's where my passion is. That's my calling. Um, you know, obviously I, I feel like we could have gone so many different ways in our careers and I, I love what I do. Um, and I, I think that that's just what I would want people to know that I, I, yes, it's a job, but for me, um, I, I absolutely love what I do and I, I wake up every day motivated and I credit the people around me, really, um, my family and my, and my colleagues for that.
0: Oh, great. And before time wraps up, I really um, feel like this podcast is just a small snippet and small, tiny insight into all the value that you could bring. Do you have any books, videos, um, any Uh, mentors that you would maybe recommend that other charter school leaders read or listen to or check out or watch?
1: Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm very motivated to read, um, you know, and constantly feeling challenged. I always say that's like one of the best things about being in education is a, you never know what you're going to get. Um, every day is a different day and B you're, you're always challenged to learn. Um, I'm inspired by a a lot of authors and, and, and leaders. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to have, um, you know, coaches and mentors over the years that we have a very supportive board, um, that is all educators at Excel, which is, um, you know, I think I, I glean so much from them and, and I'm, you know, just being humble in regards to what I can learn from people that have, that, that have been in my shoes. Um, I think in terms of, of, of books, you know, I've got, I've got quite a stack by my bed uh, and I always just get so excited to buy them. Um, And it's a matter of getting through (laughs) them. Um, Simon Sinek's, uh, you know, know your why um, is, was a big, you know, theme at our school for a long time. You know, why, Mm -hmm. why do you love, you know, do you love what you do? And if you don't know your why and you don't get up and do it, it's just, you're going to be, you know, spinning. Um, Brene Brown. I think that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. And Brene Brown's Dare to Lead um, is also, you know, a real yeah. challenge I'm working on with my team.
0: Yeah. I love Brene Brown.
1: Yep. So we're, and then I've got the Leadership Challenge, which is, um, you know, an international bestseller as well. Um, that, that you know, just really reminds you of very basic, um, you know, leadership skills that that you feel like you wouldn't ever forget. And then you read it and you're like, oh, I could really I could really revisit that and work on that.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm reading a current a book by Brene Brown called Imperfect in a, a Book Club, and just yeah. the way that she writes is great. I um, agree. Well, I've taken notes, and I'm going to make sure to include those books in the show notes so that others can can go and grab those books if they'd like, but Um, We're kind of wrapping up. You've been very gracious with your time, and I want to make sure that we stay within your time window. Are there any other stories, tips, tricks, ideas, um, shout outs that you'd like to do before we wrap up today, Heidi?
1: Um, I don't think so. Um, You know, I appreciate your time um, and this opportunity for this platform. Um, You know, again, I would just, I really do credit a lot of the success of the school to um, you know, my leadership team. Um, they've they've been, and they know who they are. They're incredibly loyal, dedicated, and um, you know, as well as um, the team I've worked with of of my colleagues at the director level, um, and and just really how much they've shaped me. Um, you know, and I, I just really, I, I feel like we're on the forefront of this of this personalized, um you know, public charter school movement that I am so passionate about. So, it's really just um, gratitude for for the platform for for people to really um, again go back to saying like we we can we can all serve students in different ways and so um, the opportunity for a student to be successful in my model um, you know I would just I, I I would love for people to just be more open minded and understand that um, again we're here for the kids um, and that um, yeah. it's not it's not a competition and that um, we all have different things to offer so. That's
0: and really it. Your, your insights, your um, ideas, everything that you shared today—it doesn't really have a, a price or a, a value that we can give it. It's just the fact that you you're sharing it openly means a lot, and um, it speaks to who you are and who Excel Academy is, and the fact that you know students are are first and So thank you so much for being so gracious, generous, humble with all of your ideas and whatnot. And feel free to check out Excel Academy to all the listeners, um, learn a little bit more about their mission and vision. And um, Heidi, it's a pleasure getting to know you. I now, I mean, I did before, but even more so now, I really admire what you guys are, you all are doing over there. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Dallin. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it.